Hi, I'm John Smith. Welcome to another episode of Kingdom Real. So today we are going to talk about life outside the box. Living oh, outside the box. Perfect. Pushing those boundaries. Yes. Um, so pretty much you seem to be a person that was born to live outside the box and yeah, push every boundary that you can find. <laughs> um, all right, so we talked about your name, yes. John Smith, mm -hmm. and how ironic it is that that's pretty much literally the most generic name out there that somebody can right. have. And uh, yet you are very far from generic. So what has it been like for you to be born to live a life outside the box? Well, there's never a dull moment. It's always fun. There's always laughter, and there's always the unexpected. So it, uh, it's really good. And as a little boy, I had to decide early. Either I'd be miserable every day of my life about my name, or I'd have fun. So I chose to have fun. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of when you were little, yes, um, you had mentioned before that you were not the easiest child to raise. You had told us. That's what I'm told. I didn't realize it, but that's what I've been told. Well, I realized that when we're the kids, we're just having fun living life. Yes. Um, so, you know, even at a young age, you never really conform to the standards of society or maybe of parental things that no. um, people wanted you to live within. So can you tell us a funny story, maybe something that would give us like a little glimpse into a good picture of young John? Oh, there's all kinds of stories that my parents would tell me. One, I remember my mom had a whole bushel of apples that she was going to make applesauce out of. But I thought it'd be kind of fun to roll them one at a time down the basement stairs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, things like that. I try to remember all the different ones. Um, yeah, there was another time where I think I had baby powder all over the bathroom or something. And, and just, you know, kind of curious, exploring. So I wonder what this would do. And not really thinking of the consequences. I, had a, I have a sister who's four years older. And the way she tells the story is um, she would... Like if we were having breakfast, she would always accuse me of smacking my lips, you know, as I'd take another bite of cereal, stuff like that. So, um, I don't know, I was oblivious to it. So then we'd put the cereal boxes between us, and but I'd always find a way to look above them or around them or something. And, oh, he's doing it again, he's doing it again. And then she would build things, like out of Tinker Toys or Lincoln Logs or whatever, and she'd spend hours making this thing, could hardly wait till dad got home to see what she made. And then the way the story goes, just before he walked through the door, I would like pull out one piece or something and it would all fall apart. And I don't remember doing that, but I guess it was true. And I thought it was funny and she didn't. And, um, and then she would tell me that our parents would never let us express anger. So if you, you know, like the things I would do, she'd get angry. Well, they'd always send her to her room um, up the stairs and then um, told her to count until she would calm down and she could come back down in and, and sometimes that took longer than others and so she was joking about it the other day she says I think that's why I became an accountant because nice. I had to go to my room so many times because of you and do all this counting and so those are a couple stories that pop into my head from did from you ever, did you ever get in trouble like for something very silly when you were little favorite story the craziest thing I can ever be, remember being punished for 
I might be the only person on the planet who's been punished for this. And that was laughing too much. So I had a friend, his name was David, and uh, our parents were friends and they would get together periodically and they play cards, you know, canasta or, or you know, um, different kinds of card games. And David and I would just entertain ourselves with practically nothing and laughter just came naturally between us and so we would laugh and laugh and laugh and neither one of us laughed softly of course not. it was always a bold boisterous contagious type laughter and after hearing that probably for a few hours my parents just kind of thought okay that's enough and they told us several times you guys need to stop laughing well that didn't work we didn't pay any attention to it and we couldn't you know, it was just too funny so finally, they got exasperated, and they decided they were going to do something about it. So they, they took us, and if I remember right, it was, at, it was our little cottage. It was a little tiny cottage my dad built out on a small lake west of Kalamazoo. And um, so they took me and locked me in my parents' car, and his parents locked David in their car, and that was going to be their solution to stop us laughing. Well, it didn't work so good because the cars have windows and we could see each other. We didn't need to hear each other. Um, so we would just pick up and look, start laughing again like crazy. I think it was loud enough that it went through the glass and whatever, the car, so we could hear each other. They could hear us inside. And anyway, that's oh, my man. funny story for getting punished for laughing too much. Fantastic story. <laughs> I love it. So I imagine then, as a teenager, that things only got crazier. Am I right? Oh, of course. Have you ever done anything super crazy just to make people laugh? Yeah, I th one of the one of the funny things that comes to mind, and and there are pictures all over the place to verify it. So right after we graduated from high school, um, our church youth group was going to do a mission trip, and uh, the choice was to go out to Macy, Nebraska, on an Indian reservation, and build a house for an Indian family that couldn't afford one. And so we had a contractor going with us and then a busload of high school kids and had a couple of people who knew what they were doing and the rest of us really didn't. And uh, if I remember right, um, Sue's dad, who was the pastor, also went on that trip. In fact, I remember him cutting a watermelon with a handsaw. And oh. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's a different way to have watermelon. But we were on a construction site, so, right. so why not? So one of the days after we got done, and it was in the summer, it was hot. And after we got done doing all that, we went back, we were staying at a church. We slept um, in sleeping bags on the floor, basement floor in, in the church. So, I don't know, it was just one of those things like, I wonder what I could make people laugh with today. And so I asked one of our friends, her name's Diane, I says, hey, can I borrow your bathing suit for a minute? And it was a two piece. And I don't know, somehow I managed to get that on, both pieces. And then I just ran out in the front lawn of the church and just was kind of dancing around and everybody's laughing and everybody went and got their camera and we're taking pictures of it and I probably also wasn't always the brightest kid so I didn't think of how that might look to somebody else I just thought it was funny and everybody did laugh and everybody's still laughing about it I love it <laughs> it's one of my favorite stories I, I absolutely I love that story um so would you call yourself a traditionalist or a modernist uh, I don't like labels, so I'm probably neither one of those. Mm -hmm. I hold a lot of traditional values. Family is still a huge value for me. Mm -hmm. A personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ is a huge value. That's fairly traditional. 
Um, I love contemporary praise and worship music. I still like the old hymns. I like both. Um, I like all the different modern translations and versions of Scripture. And for the last year, year and a half, I've also been gone back and reading the King James Version, which I never thought I would do. It's actually been really fun. And occasionally I'll pull out my very first Bible and read from that. So, but when it comes to tradition in terms of you got to keep all the rules and regulations, I don't do real well with that. So I'm always going to be looking beyond that or why are we doing that? I'll push the boundaries on those kinds of things. Even lots of rules and regulations on how things are to be done, I'm always looking for if there's another way or does that make sense? Is that really reaching people? Is that bringing life into people or kind of crushing their spirits? So does that answer the question? Yeah, pushing boundaries in the right way yeah. and you know, questioning things that wouldn't hurt other people by, right. by questioning yeah. them. Yeah, that makes total sense. I can't imagine where you got the idea. I, I have no idea. <laughs> so how has all of this living outside the box and pushing the boundaries benefited your personal ministry influence? I believe by God's grace, I've been able to connect with some people that I wouldn't have been able to if I did everything in just uh, the normal way pastors live and work and that's not to say anything negative about that but because i was willing to do things different for example um at one point in the life of the church we were uh, i was playing racquetball so i just invite all kinds of guys we get on the racket club and get three four courts and rotate in and out and then i would meet people and i would meet this yeah and her husband wasn't a believer didn't go to church oh great What's his name? What's his phone number? Let me call him up, see if he can go play racquetball with us. And so we would do that, and they got a chance to see a pastor just being a normal person and um, maybe even be able to beat them in racquetball and that type of thing. And then many times along the way, I would just ask a question like, hey, how can I pray for you? What's going on in your life that I could pray for you? And um, I never find people being offended by the question. And if you remember to do it and then ask them how that person's doing later, that would be good. And it got to the point where after a while, they would come to me and say, hey, could you pray about this? And for at least a handful of guys, that was kind of their inroad into the church and into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's fantastic. Yeah, that, that sounds like you were meeting them where they were at and then bringing them in. That's fun. And I, I do remember you were saying that, like, pastors can be real people. Yeah. I remember growing up that people would be like, you know, we, we had a pool in our backyard, mm -hmm. and my friends would come over, and yep. they'd be like, wait, your dad is swimming? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, where's his suit or his robe? And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he has a bathing suit. Like, he yep. doesn't swim in a suit. You know, right, like, what are right. you talking about? Yeah. Like, 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 you were so much of a not, a, like, a regular person. You know yeah. what I mean? That, yep. that it was like, oh, wait, you swim? And I'm like, yep. <laughs> Of course he swims. And we play volleyball first, and then yeah, we'll go in the pool. Exactly. Yeah, so, oh, man. Yeah, that's, cool. yeah that, I, I always laughed when people thought that. Yeah, was, that was great. He's not a robot. And you, you mow your own people. lawn? <laughs> oh, my yeah. gosh. Check that out. <laughs> um, so what would you say to other pastors and church leaders about pushing boundaries like within their churches and just thinking outside the box? Well, the biggest thing is a couple things. One Become comfortable in your own skin. Be comfortable with the way God made you. He made you that way on purpose. Try not to fall into the trap of 
patterning your life after somebody else, or that's the way that person does it, so I got to do the same way. Do life and ministry the way God wired you. Be true to yourself. And the fact is, you can be you better than anybody else can. Just develop the courage to do it. Inside, most of us want to be, but we're afraid that somebody's going to judge us, somebody's going to criticize us, somebody's going to make fun of us, somebody's going to tell us not to, and that all happens. Plan on it. So if you decide that I'm going to push some boundaries, I'm going to live outside the box a little bit, you will get pushback. So you have to decide if it's worth it or not. From my perspective, it's definitely worth it. Now, you want to do it as respectfully as you can. Uh, there's ways of pushing the boundaries just to agitate people and just kind of make, oh, I get to do this. That is not real effective. So you want to do it as gracefully, as kindly, as, as genuinely. But people can usually tell if you're just free enough to be yourself or if you're trying to do something to get a reaction or to do something like that. So I would say more on the side of be true to how God made you. Maybe God made you as an introvert. A lot of pastors are introverts. Well, that's great. We need people that you know love to study and love to research and then love to tell other people what they learned. That's really, really good. So be true to who you are. Don't pretend to be somebody else. And if you're introverted, that's okay. Introverts like people. They just get a lot of energy drawn out of them when they're with people, so they have to kind of limit it. And um, that's one of the things that sometimes people will hear somebody just preach so well, so practical, so it's like, you've been living in my house this week. How did you know that? And then as you listen, you go, oh, I bet you'd like to be my friend, one of my best friends. And he's going, I don't have any more capacity for any more friends at this point. So I will shake your hand. I'll be glad that you're here. I'm glad you're there. But I don't have the time, the bandwidth, the energy to, to do that. And that gets confusing to some people. But if you understand that a lot of our best communicators are introverts mm -hmm. and they don't have a lot of time and effort and energy left for all those relationships. So give them a little grace on that side. And then you get somebody like me that loves relationships and, um, it's good that I study sometimes and that I put that all together and work it together and I worked hard at that and so on and but I enjoyed the time before the message and after the message interacting with the people many times more than actually delivering the message right. if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely I kind of feel like you know Jesus was uh, an outside the box thinker too I mean oh he, absolutely you know I just love all the lessons that I feel like we've learned from him you know mm -hmm. where he came to you know kind of question all of these you know very very rigid traditional you know all of that and yeah. and I feel as though uh, maybe very specifically in the West Michigan area sure there are there are a lot of churches in the area that, that are like that you know they've done this the same way for a hundred years and they're gonna mm -hmm. keep doing it this way yep. you know so what if you have you know a young pastor you sure. know fresh out of seminary all these great new ideas you mm -hmm. know all these new uh, ways of connecting especially with you know the future like with the sure. kids and yeah. the youth and the younger couples and stuff in their church so so how would they go about navigating entering that kind of an environment that has been very, very rigid inside the box thinkers, and they then enter 
What would you say to pastors that are in that situation? Wow, that's a great question. Here's a here's an idea that comes. Probably in that church, then you're going to have a lot of older people with gray hair like me, and I would meet with them in their home. Just ask them if you can come over and have the coffee. Older yeah, the older couples <laughs> to seek them out. Yeah. Um, you want to honor them. They've been in the church a long time. It means a lot to them. They're financially supporting it. They're behind us, stuff like that. So ask if you could come to their house and ask them to tell you stories about the pictures you see on the wall, the knickknacks that are there, because every one of them has meaning. Everyone has a story. Ask them about their family. Ask about their kids. Ask about their grandkids. And then just ask, well, how many of your grandkids come to church every Sunday? Not to be, but just, you know, maybe, maybe they all do. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. And just say, um, we know what you like. And I also know that what would mean the world to you is for your grandkids to love Jesus as much as you do and to love church as much as you do. If we needed to change some things so that your grandkids would feel welcome and that they would enjoy going to church and, and say, hey, we're going, aren't we? Um, if we, I mean, what would you suggest that we would need to do to reach your grandkids? That's a great starting point because every grandparent absolutely loves their grandkids right. and wants the best for them. So if you go and ask for some advice, and if I were to try something like this to reach your grandkids, would you be okay with that? I think that's brilliant. I didn't. And I can only come to that because I didn't do it enough. Sure. If I had done that, it probably would. Have, I did it a few times, but if I'd done it more, I think the other people in the church would have understood why I was doing it right. and what was going on. And that is honoring to them because you want to do that. You like don't want to dishonor them. They've, they've been, been there and you want to be part of that. Mm -hmm. So it's a way of, of asking for advice of what are some things that maybe we could do that would not compromise the scripture, that would not um, give us a lesser view and understanding who God is, but just how do we connect with people mm -hmm. in a way that church isn't boring? Right. It shouldn't be. I, I don't think Jesus was ever boring. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> I think he was able to ask penetrating questions. Mm -hmm. He was an amazing storyteller. And I think he had a fantastic sense of humor. I can just imagine him around the campfire with his disciples, you know, doing little funny things, getting them laughing, see how they react to it. I, and I think some of the things that his disciples said in response to his questions, I, I think he probably just bust out laughing sometimes. Mm -hmm. That would just be my take. It, it doesn't say that exactly in Scripture, but it gives you clues. Like, I think he had a pretty good sense of humor. I really, really like that advice about, you know, going to the the elders, you know, not necessarily position of elders, right, yeah. but, you know, in the church um, and and making it personal for them, you yes. know, not just saying, you know, oh, the youth or whatever, because then they're detached from that, but, right. but bringing it back to mm -hmm. their households sure. and saying, your grandkids, who you love, who mm -hmm. you know, who you, yeah. you know, I think that's brilliant, yep. you know, and then just maybe even if they don't know, you know, yeah. explaining to them, like, 
I'm fresh out of seminary. These are the things that we're learning about right. how to reach the youth today and how, you know, I mean, as a parent, mm -hmm. I am constantly trying to learn exactly how to connect with my kids, yep. you know. Yep. Um, but I think that that's really yeah. brilliant on, on what to do with Here's it. another idea. Imagine how this would go with the music because music is a big issue Huge. between that. Yes. So imagine a young pastor who goes back to those same folks or a different group and just said, okay, could you list two or three of your all-time favorite hymns? Yep. And, and why? When you hear that, when you sing that, what does that do to your heart, your soul, your spirit? What's going on there? Why is that so important? And then occasionally on Sunday I say, you know, we're going to sing this hymn today in honor of this person. Oh, I love that. And this is what the hymn's about. And this is what it means to them. That would be fantastic. So now, as we sing this, grandkids, mm -hmm. other young people here, this is what that song means to these people. Mm -hmm. Let's sing it with all the gusto we possibly can. Yeah. I think that's a win-win for everybody. Well, I have a tattoo that says, it is well, and that is for your mom. And I can hear her singing the words, mm. you know, of that song. It's the one that I, and I know it wasn't her like absolute favorite one, but it's the one that I can hear her singing when I think of her, yeah. you know, and then the choose joy because yep. she was always mm -hmm. making a choice to, yeah. you know, choose joy. But, yeah. and, and that was what resonated with me, but it was funny. You say that the, the music thing, you know, we were at church a couple of weeks ago and, and I knew all the songs and Addison didn't. And she was like, how do you know? Cause they sang some hymns and then they oh, sang okay. some up. How do you know all of these? I'm like, I'm in that in-between generation where, mm -hmm. like, I grew up hearing the hymns, but then I was also grew up where, where the praise and worship started, started right. changing. You know, mm -hmm. I was like, so I know all of these, like, especially when we went to Grandma and Grandpa's church, you know, yep. we heard all of those. Um, but I love that, the explaining of it to the younger sure. generation, because mm -hmm. then again, it's not just, oh, they're singing the old people songs or whatever. It's, right. oh, that's my grandma's favorite hymn. Mm -hmm. That's my grandpa's favorite sure. hymn or whatever. And it just brings that connection, yeah. that, that piece to it. Again. And then the third piece of that would be, and we're going to take that hymn that you loved with the lyrics that way, and we're going to change the music just a little bit mm -hmm. to make it a little bit more contemporary. Yeah. So this is taking something of value from the past yeah. And then bringing it into a modern day tempo, rhythm, how that's going to work. And kind of, so it's not saying it wasn't good, but let's take what's really good. And sometimes we'll do it like that. Other times we're going to put another flair on it right. musically. And I think that bridges the gap between the generations so that they can both honor each other and worship God together that way. Absolutely. I think we're onto something here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, do you feel like... Um, any of your grandchildren, you have five with us. One on the way, way. yeah. Um, or any of your three children, do you feel like they share in your outside-the-box thinking? I think they all do to some degree in their own ways, but clearly the one who does the most is you. Oh, yeah. No doubt about <laughs> it. <laughs> yes. And then I think within all of the grandkids, they all do in their own way. But I would say the most would be Alex. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Well, and he's been around the longest too. So he's I had the most exposure, so he's got the advantage of it. And, um, yeah. and I think probably within each one, you can see different reflections of yourself mm -hmm. within it. And um, yeah. But I remember not too many years ago thinking how impulsive you were. You are. And I thought, where does she get that? Man, that drives me crazy. 
<laughs> and and then all of a sudden it dawns on me like, I think she gets that from me. <laughs> uh, I might or might not have thought that about my own children. Where did they get that from? Oh, wait. <laughs> Never mind. Just, yeah. yep, that would be uh-huh. from me. Uh, so how has your beautiful wife of almost 50 years handled you living outside the box and thinking outside the box? Oh, my goodness. Your mother is a saint. No other word describes it as adequately and accurately as she really is a saint. Anybody who's put up with me and all my craziness, all my weirdness, all these years, and um, she's absolutely remarkable. She, um, she's my best friend. She's not an outside-the-box thing. Oh, my goodness, no. She's a follow-the-pattern, follow-the-rest. Tell me exactly like, what you want me to do, right like this. Box. You know, <laughs> probably would never color outside the lines. You know, it's right in. This is the way it is. And uh, and God knew that I needed to marry somebody like that. To ground you? If I was married to somebody like me, it would be a continual disaster. It'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd never know what to expect and we'd have a lot of laughs it'd be an adventure but oh my goodness it, it would be crazy so we're kind of the perfect balance mm-hmm. and and where she would say if she didn't marry somebody like me her life would be really boring sure and there were days that she longed for boring i mean boring sounded really good when we were some of our crazy adventures <laughs> but i believe she thinks her life is richer and fuller because I took her outside of her comfort zones oh, yeah. many, many times. Yeah. And I've learned over the years to ask her less frequently to do that. And so I, something that's really significant, really important, I say, this is what I think you need to go with me mm-hmm. on, and that'll be good. And that's become a good balance and pattern rather than all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of parse it out a little bit. Yeah, I agree. You know, we, we've done that in our own household. We've, we've tried to teach our kids to question when it's a good time to question, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then there's been those moments where I'm like, sometimes you just have to sit down, close your mouth, and be okay with certain things, you mm-hmm. know? Like, just, you don't have to fight every single battle. You don't right. have to question every single mm-hmm. thing that's out there, that's you true. know? But finding that balance, mm-hmm. being an outside-the-box thinker person, yeah. is, it's difficult, you know? I mean, there's those moments where you're like, oh. I think I might have gone too far. You know, I'm like, you're going to backpedal a little yeah. bit. Um, but overall, I think that it, it does bring mm-hmm. a lot to the world. And, yeah, and I'm a creative idea generator. I just generate ideas all the time. And I've learned to say, I have a couple ideas. Would you like to hear them now? Mm-hmm. Those are good words. And it might be the right time. It might not. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I've learned is to give her time to think about it, pray about it, live with it. So you don't have to answer right away. So if I can give her several hours or a day or a couple days, just I just want to plant the seed. I know you need time to think about it. I'm not sure if it's a good idea or not, but this is what's coming up now. Let me know when you're ready. Um, we can talk. That has been really working good. If I try to get her to respond right in the moment, mm-hmm. um, that's not helpful to her, and it's not her best response. You brought your little thing right here. Yes, you're this is my very box. favorite um, farewell gift. After 23 years, so when we left, when we left the church, this was a this was a gift from the the staff at New Life Community Church, and they really figured out who I am. So it says on the front, John W. Smith, with love from the NLCC staff. And as you can see, here's me 
way outside the box and um, inside it says only those who see the invisible can do the impossible. It's a fun way to live and I thank God for it. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. Appreciate you. I'm John Smith. Thank you so much for watching this episode of Kingdom Real. Can hardly wait to see you next time. God bless. Thank you.